Hello everyone, my name is Brandon, and I welcome you to the No Time Theology Podcast. No Time Theology not only features quick and easy lessons about God and His Word, but also long-form podcasts in which we can further dive into the big topics and questions of our Christian faith. Today, we are touching on a popular TikTok going around titled, Jesus a Racist? Let's first listen to the video, observe the argument, and then address it. Did you know that there's a part of the Gospel of Mark where Jesus uses a racial slur? In Mark chapter 7, there's the account of the Seraphonician woman, a woman who is Syrian and Greek, both of which there were strong biases against within the Jewish community. And she comes to ask Jesus to heal her daughter who's possessed by a demon. And what is Jesus' response? He says, it's not good for me to give the children's food, meaning the children of Israel's food, to dogs. He calls her a dog. What's amazing about this account is that the woman doesn't back down. She speaks truth to power. She confronts Jesus and says, well, you can think that about me, but even dogs deserve the crumbs from the table. Her boldness and bravery to speak truth to power actually changes Jesus' mind. Jesus repents of his racism and extends healing to this woman's daughter. I love this story because it's a reminder that Jesus is human. He had prejudices and bias, and when confronted with it, he was willing to do his work. And this woman was willing to stand up and speak truth. Now that is a clip that we are going to be reacting to today. I understand that for many of you, perhaps this is the first time you've heard it, or you've heard it before, but you've never heard someone discuss it. And so I want to dive into this. But before we even get into the content of what we are talking about today, I need to make a few comments about this TikToker, Reverend Brandon Robertson, and the progressive movement as a whole, progressive Christianity as a whole. So first of all, if you actually visited this guy's TikTok account, you would quickly see that he has 132,000 followers, 2.9 million likes. So he has a ton of influence in uh, the progressive Christian community. I would assume that um, not all of his followers are indeed progressive, but I would imagine that many of them are. So he's very influential, and this TikTok has kind of made him grow a little bit more. Uh, he identifies as a minister, a theologian, an author. In his bio, he uh, has the pride flag and whatnot, and so he certainly is uh, of a more progressive, just evidentially, uh, creed, I suppose you can say. And so he's a part of a minority of Christians who identify as progressive Christians. And let us not get this group mixed up with political progressives, although there are some overlaps. Um, you know, progressives politically are for radical prison reform and sometimes democratic socialism, and that doesn't always line up with progressive Christianity, although we do sometimes see that occur. Rather, this is a group that sees cultural shifts according to our society, or occurring in our society, rather, and wants Christianity to conform to such shifts, wants to conform to the standards that our society deems correct. If you are not familiar with the beliefs of this pro uh, progressive group, then here's just a very short list, yet not exhaustive, um, of some of their challenges to traditional historical Christianity. So here are <laughs> quite a few, but there's much more we could talk about. Let's start with getting rid of the doctrine of hell. Embracing libertarian free will, Pelagianism, universalism. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Reverend Robertson is a universalist, meaning that he believes everyone will indeed be saved. 
He claims, uh, and many progressive Christians claim, that Christians from all creeds and confessions can cuss and get away from it, live whatever lifestyle they want to, and get away with it. That pastors can be in same-sex relationships. They believe in antinomianism very often, meaning that they are uh, on the spectrum of Christianity is a religion or relationship. They are very much on the left side of the relationship folks who um, this group would say, yeah, there are no commandments. This is strictly a walk with God, a relationship with him. You don't need to actually follow any commandments of Christ. And there probably are no commandments of Christ in their view, except for loving your neighbor. Uh, we also have, uh, they. many of them believe that there are more than 13 apostles. You can visit the Junia Project to study that. An online website suggests that there are even female apostles. They also suggest that the Bible is full of interpolations, meaning insertions, and therefore cannot be trusted. They are very much egalitarian. They believe in egalitarianism, which is a belief that women can be elders and pastors within the church, uh, that the man or husband is not the priest of his home. And I could go on and on. Now, maybe you agree with some of their points, and that's okay. I'm not here to challenge or embrace um, really any of these points, but I just wanted to give you some background as to who the Reverend on TikTok identifies with. I think that's incredibly important to get context about what we're talking about here. And it is rather evident that many of the progressive ideals chase after the world, uh, in my view, and it's evolving culture. In doing some research into egalitarian churches, I came across a blog post from a pastor in which he laid out three reasons he affirmed female elders. One of his reasons being the following, quote, Our culture is different and usually argued more advanced than the first century. Maintaining these archaic cultural paradigms is beneath the nature of equality of our cultural advancements. It would be offensive in our culture to discriminate against women in roles that they can do as well and at times better than men. This quote really kind of astonished me in a way, arguing, basically this pastor is arguing that the Bible is archaic, that the word of God is not timeless, that cultural paradigms shift and therefore we don't need to follow God's word in the traditional manner. And that, and that is quite odd, but that is certainly where much of scholarship is going today. And progressive Christians, I, I, I do agree that many of them could be godly Christians, and I agree that there are godly Christians who would indeed agree with this egalitarian statement that I just read. The vast majority of Christians I know personally are egalitarian, yet there is also a group of complementarians who uh, I sometimes associate myself with as well who would disagree and say progressive Christianity is just going after the world. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. These folks would say of progressives, meaning complementarians would say of progressives, although they are attempting to obtain and display a form of godliness, they're just going along with the pattern of the world. And Jesus calls us out of the world system. He instills the Holy Spirit within us and causes us to become new creations. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. The progressive retort to such conservative Christians would probably be, well, you haven't dug deeply enough into the context of some passages, or Jesus loves everyone and loves them just as they are. 
This was the argument I heard Robertson make in some of his other TikToks. And so I hope that this provides you with some background into the debates going on around this movement. I personally attend a radically progressive evangelical university in which nearly every theology or Bible professor I have had embraces progressive values. And this is something I am surrounded with all the time. And so when I saw this on TikTok, I was not nearly as surprised as some pastors who left the seminary 25 years ago and haven't been able to see the way the liberal lean that scholarship has been going to uh, in recent years. But enough of this talk. I feel like I've contextualized it enough. Let's dive into the actual passage. I understand that many of you are probably in the car or doing something as you listen to this, and so I have an open Bible in front of me, and I want to read this supposed passage that reveals Jesus is a racist. So let's read Mark 7, 24 through 30. This is what the word of the Lord reads. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast a demon out of her daughter. And he says to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So at first glance, I can definitely see how a reader can start their morning devotions on a low note by reading that passage. But in the spirit of Christian progressivism, context is key, is it not? So Jesus travels to a Gentile region, the region where Tyre and Sidon, I believe it's Sidon is how it's pronounced. Um, This is where the uh, Gentiles live in these cities. And for one, Jesus is not to associate with Gentiles or even travel near their regions due to his Jewish heritage. Yet he does so anyway. Along with this, Jesus shouldn't have even been talking to a Gentile woman. Yet he does so anyway. Women were ignored and marginalized incredibly harshly in the first century. Even in the synagogues, women were required to sit outside of them. So the Christian practice of having women sit inside of the churches and participate in ministry was an incredible change if you ponder it for a moment. Mark is very deliberate in telling us of the ethnic origins of this woman in this passage. Now, I understand such progressive Christians may not even think that Mark wrote this gospel, that it was instead a collection of writers using the Q document and whatnot, but let's just assume Mark wrote the thing. In verse 26, he clearly wants the reader to know that this woman is not a Jew. He comments on her Gentile heritage and also expounds upon it by saying that she was Syrophoenician. This is important because Jews hated Gentiles. In the apocryphal literature, this is apparent, and I see why Martin Luther uh, uh, placed the apocrypha as an appendix to the Bible. This is what the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 14, verse 11, reads in the KJV. Therefore, even upon the idols of the Gentiles shall there be a visitation, because in the creature of God they are become an abomination, and stumbling blocks to the souls of men, and a snare to the feet of the unwise." 
So clearly there were prejudices against Gentiles on behalf of Jews, and Robertson makes it a point to note this, and I would like to ask if Jesus directly called this woman a dog. Did he literally say, you are a dog? No, he did not. He, he spoke in a way that characterized all Gentiles as dogs, even worse. Why would he do this? Because the law had not come to the Gentiles, but to Israel. Therefore, all Gentiles were unclean. And is this not a part of the Christian faith and message? Many salvation calls are void of talk about sin, yet this is a crucial point of coming to faith in Christ. We must understand that we are sinners amidst a holy God. We have transgressed against our neighbor and our Lord because we are ignorant of the commandments. We must follow the commandments. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes, We ourselves are Jews by birth, and not Gentile sinners. That's what he writes. We Gentiles understand more than the Jews that we are sinners. In the climax of Paul's epistle to the Romans, we learn that we Gentiles are being grafted into the elect nation. We were once not yet God's people, yet now we are. Secondly, since Robertson is an ordained minister, I would assume he has a minimum educational requirement for ordination in many denominations, the Master of Divinity degree. If so, he must have experience in the original languages. If he doesn't, I would hope before he goes around teaching people about God's supposed truth that he would dig into a Koine Greek text just a little. And if you do, you find that Jesus uses the word kunarios. More fully, he says this, kaitois kunarios bailein, literally meaning, and to throw it to the little dogs. That word kunarios is not the word for dogs that was typically used in a slur. This word implies little dogs, implying puppies. Jesus diminishes the terms. He shrinks it down. And I wish more of our English translations got this right. Anytime we English speakers diminish a term, such as saying puppies instead of young dogs, for example, this implies a, a type of endearment, a form of endearment. So Jesus is not using the exact derogatory term Jews use against Gentiles, but a diminutive, diminutive form of it, I should say. So yes, Jesus called her lowly, as he calls all sinners lowly. Romans 3.23 informs us that all have sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. We are all sinful. There is not one of us who does good in the sight of the Almighty. And to add to this, Jesus was not this, this happy-go-lucky, progressive hippie walking around listening to the Bee Gees, holding up peace signs. You know, he, he called the, the, the Pharisees hypocrites. He called them broods of vipers, whitewashed tombs. He told the rich young ruler to sell all of his possessions and to follow him, very likely because he saw pride in the young man. This rich young ruler could not give up his pride. And very likely he was not saved because of that. But amazingly, graciously, this Syrophoenician woman accepts her lowly position in front of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. She answers Jesus, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She responds humbly, if she replied with, who are you calling a dog, you racist, then we would have a very different gospel account, would we not? Her response is humble yet persevering. It is meek yet bold. 
She isn't speaking truth to power, as Robertson says, in our modern sense. She is responding to the truth of her depravity in front of the only Holy One and the only source of hope to ever walk the earth. And lastly, Jesus does not repent, like Robertson claims. Jesus' humanity is what Robertson blames for his supposed sin and prejudice. That, that's a whole other topic. We understand that, that Jesus was truly God and truly man. I, I don't even know if Robertson believes in the divinity of Christ, albeit Jesus' repentance is nowhere in the text. Robertson eisegeted and read that into the text. I want that to be clear. That there's no scripture in this passage that says, or a verse in this passage that says Jesus repented or recanted or apologized to her. To suggest Jesus repented of sin is utter blasphemy, and Robertson will have to answer God on account of that despicable sin. 1 Peter 2.22 clearly says, clearly says he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Hebrews 4.15 asserts, for we do, uh, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. It was Dr. Stephen Lawson who once remarked, Jesus died naked upon the cross so that he could clothe us with his perfect righteousness. If Christ is not fully righteous upon his own accord, then I don't know how we could even believe in a salvation. I don't know how we could be justified and, and rendered righteous in the sight of God if Christ was unclean as well. How could he be an unblemished lamb? Makes no sense. Our Christ is perfect. He's not a racist, like Robertson says. That would make him a sinner. And let God be true, though every man a liar. His word is truth. He committed no sin. He was a perfect lamb who lived a perfect life on our behalf. So what do we get from all this? Let us exercise discernment when listening to TikTok pop culture teaching. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, If the heavenly gold is not worth digging for, you are not likely to discover it. By the aid of the Holy Spirit and deep study of God's word, you can excavate absolutely pure, undefiled gold from the Holy Scripture, see the divinity of Christ, and see the righteousness of Christ, and see the holiness of God, and our utter fallibility. Do I blame Robertson for falsely teaching? Yes. Do I hope and pray for God to fix this, <laughs> to fix this mentality amongst so many Christians? Of course. Do I pray for their regeneration? Of course. If there's one final exhortation I can give you, it would be let us see God's truth as worth the work and serve our Lord in excavating His truth.